Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan Myler. With me this week, our guy Matt Price. Ryan is away, so McDowell isn't with us, Matt. So we're going to have to hold the fort and talk about some prospects, get to some coaching changes, and uh, maybe talk a little bit about a senior bowl without our guy Ryan. That'll be all right. I mean, he, what does he know? He has an ADP, like spreadsheet, but most, most running back one weeks. He doesn't know what he's talking about with these rookies. <laughs> Right until until it's sure. numbers in a spreadsheet, he doesn't know what he's talking about with these guys anyway. I'm sure he won't hear that you said that either. Like <laughs> I said, we're going to talk about these coaching hires, and there is the rookie report to get to. Three more prospects there, but first we got to get to the startup. So let's hit it. The startup. So I I love football, Matt, and I love the Senior Bowl. But I got to be honest, I didn't watch the game this year. I was tuned in on Twitter or X all week long during practices, saw a lot of highlights from the game and from practices, was watching and reading about interviews and specific prospects. But I didn't watch the game. Did you get a chance to see the game on Sunday? Honestly, I never do. I think the practices are the most important part of the whole the whole week. The game is sure. fun and everything. You know, it's like but it's like a, it's like the Pro Bowl. Did you watch the? The Pro Bowl this weekend? I, I You know, I caught glimpses of it. 100% honestly, I was close to the Pro Bowl. My wife and I went to Florida for the weekend and, and kind of a little getaway. So I was I was sneaking glance, glam, gl- glances, excuse me, on Twitter and uh, trying to see what I could. That The Pro Bowl game that... I'm not into the flag football thing. That was that was no good for me. I'm surprised you didn't get um, out there and the skills competition, Dan. Maybe try to hit one of those moving targets. Oh yeah, light up Baker Mayfield, make him look bad. All those <laughs> things, I would have done it. Uh, but there senior were some bowl. the Senior Bowl. There were some winners and losers, and and really consensus. It feels like. And I was looking at the list on Twitter and and on all the various websites that I like to look at, and there was one big takeaway for me. And that was that maybe this wide receiver class is even better than what we expected. Yeah. And we all expected it to be a very good class, but there are a handful of guys that were on every single one of those lists. And I went back and I've, I found the highlights and found the, found the cutups of all these plays that they were making on throughout the practice week. And then some of the plays they made throughout the game, these guys specifically Roman Wilson, He's a guy I'm real familiar with. Of course, he's from Michigan, uh, slot wide receiver, really good hands, the body control, ability to get open. I saw some. Uh, I saw an interview that he did where um, I think Jim Nagy compared him to Tyler Lockett. I didn't necessarily see the Tyler Lockett, although he's fast. I kind of saw Adam Thielen in Roman Wilson. So that was that was a big takeaway. Uh, Lad McConkey was incredible, the wide receiver out of Georgia. He was making plays all week long. And then our guy, Ricky Pearsall, was showing up on a lot of lists. We, of course, had a chance to talk about him a few weeks ago in the Rookie Report. We liked him then. I think it's probably safe to say we like him a little bit more even now. These three specifically were ones that I saw on some lists and went back and watched what I could, and I saw the same thing. I also saw... Brendan Rice show up on a, on a handful of lists. That guy still looks slow out there running routes. That and and then um, the guy from uh, 
Western Kentucky. His name is 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 eluding me right now. Con, uh, Corley, Malachi yeah. Corley. He popped up on a bunch of lists as well. And I thought he looked all right, but he didn't jump off the page like the other three, Wilson, McConkie, and Pearsall. Those guys are are moving up boards. In fact, Roman Wilson, I saw a post-Senior Bowl mock draft, two of them, in fact, and he was a high second-round pick in both of them. So wow. previously a fourth to fifth rounder all the way up to the second round, McConkie making those same kind of moves. This class, uh, Matt, might be might be even better than what we thought. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm doing these rookies as we watch them, uh, trying to get a little bit ahead, but I have not watched Roman Wilson yet. That was a new name for me. I'm sure not new for most of you listeners out there. But uh, I mean, I was really impressed by him, especially on those outbreaking and breaking routes. You see him just create instant separation there at the at the the break point. Um, And in addition to those names, I did watch Brandon Rice's. You might want to go back, Dan. I don't know if you have, but if you want to go back and watch those one on one drills, they're they're all over the place right now. I was impressed with his, his his physical physicality on those one-on-one drills so maybe i'm missing something on the tape i know i'm back and looked at the tape after i watched those practices and i still didn't really get it um in a, in a game situation but from the one-on-one practice i i can understand why people are maybe a little bit more excited about him and then the last one uh i wanted to throw out was spencer rattler uh our, yeah. our uh, ex ex uh co-worker uh, Ray Garvin was out there. He's like interviewing all the prospects. So uh, I watched a bunch of Spencer Rattler interviews. You know, the, some of the concerns before were some maturity issues. I know you guys quoted, uh, he kind of seemed like a punk kid back on that QB1 show that I still haven't got a chance to watch. Um, but he seemed like maybe he solved some of those maturity issues. He had a, a, a he was four for four for 65 yards in the game, had a nice uh, touchdown throw in the back left corner of the end zone. Um, I can't remember the receiver who caught the ball. Um, but so he seems like a, a winner from this group as well. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the interview. I watched a, a couple of them that he did. Some of the highlights of the interviews he did post game and before the game, like you were talking about with Ray. And he seems poised. He seems real yeah. under control now. And that wasn't how he portrayed himself a handful of years ago already in that QB one show. And then maybe even throughout his college career, it seems like the move to South Carolina was a good thing for him. We we talked about him in the Rookie Report Card series a couple of weeks ago. We might have to revisit that a little yep. bit when we get to rankings once Ryan's back because there's a chance he's going to be moving up uh, some draft boards. I, I tell you what, the quarterback that I keep going back to is like that fourth guy, that next guy in line, continues to be Bo Nix for me. And I, I just I can't bump any of those other guys above him. I, I have high hopes for him, even though he's an older prospect. I think he did a lot for what he, uh, he showed a lot uh, in, in, in the recent days as well. So um, some, some quick takeaways from the Senior Bowl. There's, there's so many things we could get into. You know, you see those lists, who really helped themselves. And, and it really did feel like maybe a handful of those running backs got bumped up because the class – or pumped up, I should say, because the class isn't that strong necessarily. I saw some talk on Twitter about a handful of running backs that made me think, oh, okay, maybe there's something here. It's just that there aren't any other guys, so we have to have to pump up somebody. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of third, fourth, and fifth round picks in the draft and not so many first and second rounders this year, Matt. Yep, I agree. Let's uh, let's get to our dynasty rankings. We're going to talk a little bit about these new head coaches, new OCs across the league. Dynasty rankings. So we thought we'd take this opportunity in this week before the Super Bowl to talk 
about some of the coaching changes across the league. Of course, there were eight new head coaches across the league. Some retreads, guys like Jim Harbaugh and in, in with the Chargers and Dan Quinn gets another chance with Washington, but some newer names as well, including a handful of defensive coaches. Uh, and then and then some younger uh, offensive coaches as well. So with that and with the all the changes among offensive coordinators across the league, I'm not going to mention them all, uh, Matt, but there were 10 or 11 across the league. Is there – and then on top of it, a, a few coaches that didn't get jobs that we expected to, including Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel. So we'll see what happens with those guys. Is there – a specific player, if there if there's one player or one group of players on a team, I guess, that benefits the most from all these coaching changes, Matt, who would that be for you? Uh, well, I, my, I say my, 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 it's not my favorite hire, but it's probably the best hire from a team standpoint. That's Jim Harbaugh for the Chargers. You know, uh, yeah. he just brings a culture one. of winning and you know, like it, the Chargers need that. We know what the Chargers do. There's even a saying now: the Chargers going to charge her, right? That the Chargers are going to they're going to blow it in a late game. They're going to blow it in the second half of the season, whatever it was. And Brandon Staley, like he came in, and we were very excited about him in year one, and it just never got better after that. We were expecting an uptrend, and we just got a downtrend for several seasons. So Harbaugh comes in now. Um, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, we'll see how that goes. Uh, he's he's kind of a a run base coach really. So we'll see how that translates with Justin Herbert and with Austin Eckler, maybe not back in town or how are they going to address that running back situation? Harbaugh going to go get his guy uh, for that position. Uh, is, is Isaiah Spiller going to pop up again? I don't know what's happening with that backfield, but to me, when I see Jim Harbaugh get hired there, uh, I get excited about the running game. So we'll have to see how that develops. My favorite hire though, Dan, well, there's uh, so many. hold on just with the chargers. I'd like to react to that. Cause there are sure, so yeah. many rumors already swirling. It feels like right there. There's so many things coming out of his introductory press conference. That was a great, great press conference. I'm sure if you're a Chargers fan, you've already seen it. If you're a fantasy fan, go watch it because there are so many little tidbits. And you mentioned it there, Matt, the running game. And now the the whispers out of Los Angeles that that Harbaugh is enamored with Saquon Barkley and wants him in that in that Chargers powder blue and how that could translate to huge production you mentioned how he loves to run the football he certainly does Saquon with the Chargers is going to be a rumor we continue to hear and if he's going to use that running game like he has in the past both in past stops in the NFL and in college with Michigan how does that affect Justin Herbert and how does it affect those wide receivers aging Keenan Allen of course Mike Williams is still there and Quentin Johnston had a rough rookie season there are weapons there with the Chargers, but we're not, there's so many question marks of how they'll be used and how they fit in with Harbaugh's new offense. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's going to be – we'll talk about it. Well, there's a lot of running backs coming out in this year's free agents class too in addition to Saquon. So I feel like he'll find a guy. Wide receiver is going to be real interesting with those two aging guys. Uh, you know, we just talked about Roman Wilson. Does he go get his wide receiver there to kind of – be the next mm-hmm. kind of Keenan Allen. I feel like you could see him in that Keenan Allen kind of role if they just, they decide to stick with that role in the offense. Um, my favorite hire, though, Dan, uh, I don't know if you agree on this one, but I like the hire in um, in Carolina with Dave Canales. Uh, he yeah, is he was exciting, the young one I, think. I was mentioning. Yep. Yeah, he, you know, I, I think maybe the – Panthers was maybe the worst landing spot for any of the coaches, like in terms of the talent on the team and everything. But we saw Canales in Seattle kind of, you know, as the quarterback coach kind of, kind of, 
uh, bring back to life the career of Geno Smith. And then we saw Baker Mayfield all of a sudden playing well last year. That was also under Dave Canales' watch. Um, so now, you know, Bryce Young, you know, what do we need in the, in Carolina? We need somebody to develop this quarterback. So it seems like a great hire for him, obviously not as much experience from the head, head coaching standpoint, but, uh, has a, you know, kind of a proven track record with these also ran quarterbacks. So hopefully with a number one overall pick, uh, he can work some magic there as well. So, uh, I really like that hire for Carolina. Yeah. I like the dots you connected there, the quarterback and Canales and the, really the, almost unbelievable job he's done over the last couple of years with these aging quarterbacks. What can he do with a young, talented guy like Bryce Young? You know, I, I read uh, Peter King's Monday morning quarterback or whichever one he wrote uh, early this week. And he mentioned that Canales got that six-year contract and and the Panthers wanted to go a lot of different directions, but couldn't necessarily. There were There were coaches that did not want to even interview with the Panthers because of how that ownership group has treated the the past coaches there in Carolina. So Canales, you don't know if he's like the, the guy they settled for or any of that, but his history and track record with these quarterbacks is such a positive that you have to have a feeling that maybe there can be uh, something done with young. And if he gets a little stability, which is never a given in Carolina, considering how they've treated those, co- those coaches in the last couple of years, um, maybe he can turn Bryce Young around. If there was one big takeaway for me, it was Ben Johnson staying in Detroit, really. It's it's all those weapons with the Lions. And Johnson, rumors that he could go to Washington, and maybe he he pushed his monetary demands too far and was outside the, the comfort zone for Washington. Dan Quinn gets that job. Ben Johnson, for the second year in a row, ends up staying in Detroit, run that offense, and it's been run like a top here recently, right? The last couple of years, Detroit's offense has been among the top 10 in the year. I think it was top five in both yards and points per game this season. And this group of skill players, including Goff, both running backs and the and the pass catchers on the outside, are all uh, good to great to even elite dynasty prospects or dynasty players at this point. Ben Johnson sticking in Detroit certainly helps uh, at least the short-term outlook for all your Detroit Lions. If there was a negative, Matt, if there's something that you saw that, oh, that coach ended up there, that sucks for this this player, did, did one come to mind for that? I mean, I just pick pick, pick your 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 name from the retreads. So I would I guess I would say I would say Dan Quinn as the retread coach. Like why? Like okay, he was okay at defense in Dallas. Like he's just never, he's never really put it together as a head coach. And here we are again. Like I would much rather Washington take a shot on, I know they try, probably tried to get Ben Johnson, um, which I don't even mind him going back, honestly. Why, why leave a, a great spot where you know you're successful? Um, but that hiring sticks out to me. And then the other one is, I hope, I hope it works out for Gerard Mayo, but going straight from linebackers coach to head coach, that seems like a real big jump to me. Big shoes to feel, feel obviously. Uh, but they had to do something there. They were just stagnating under Belichick. Uh, so hopefully that works out. But that one seems like, a, you know, I like hiring from within, but maybe somebody a little more experienced. You know, Mayo seems like a good leader and all that. So maybe it translates. I don't know. Uh, but that one seems a little suspect, too. But Dan Quinn, I think, is the worst hire of the bunch. Yeah, and it it really did feel like Washington was settling for their third, fourth, or fifth option. There was rumors that Mike McDonald, who ended up with Seattle, the former DC in Baltimore, was offered that job in Washington. Washington was 
was hot after Ben Johnson and wasn't able to get that done as well. So Quinn is going to have to turn things around quickly. And that's certain that those well, defensive head coaches, man, I, know. I, I really don't like it, Matt. You just did that with Rivera. And then your solution to come in and bring to run the office and bring in Cliff Kingsbury, who couldn't make it work with Kyler Murray. I mean, I just like, I just feel bad for Washington fans. I hope you get a, a quarterback, the quarterback you drafted this year. I hope transcends your coaching decisions. But uh, I think I'm going to be a little bit less excited with whoever they select based on these hires. That's, that's a big hill to climb with with both that combo, right? Dan Quinn yeah. and Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to go to the other one that you mentioned there. You said Gerard Mayo, and I I'm pretty happy with that co- coaching hire. I kind of think he's a he's a a hidden gem maybe on that coaching staff, and they they recognized that and knew that they had to make that move. So I was all right with the Mayo signing. It was actually the offensive coordinator that I had a problem with, Alex Van Pelt, who's been a retread all over the league. And and he's had opportunities, lots of stops over the last handful of years. Of course, he's one of Aaron Rodgers' guys. We're familiar with him from his days in Green Bay as a quarterback coach uh, and then working with that offense. And he seems like he's – I hate to say it, but kind of ride the coattails a little bit. Now he gets the shot in New England. It's a it's a staff in a hole that doesn't have a lot of experience, and they're going to have to have to really learn on the fly and learn on the fly quickly. Just like Washington, they need to make the right selection at three overall and help that coaching staff out. Uh, all young young coaches on that staff. Um, anything else from the coaching changes? You know, the Liam Cohen one was a. Cr- was a interesting one in Tampa Bay. He's an offensive coordinator that's jumped around, comes off the the Rams tree, went to Kentucky, was the OC and quarterbacks coach there, back to the Rams to be the OC a couple of years ago, and then back to Kentucky again to take that same position. All of a sudden an OC in another town or with another team. That was a that was kind of out of left field for me. Arthur Smith in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. I know a lot of Steelers fans are kind of excited about that. And they're pointing back to when Arthur Smith was an OC in Tennessee and how he used Derrick Henry. But the evidence that we have recently of how he used his star players in Atlanta, that's that's a big big head scratcher for me. Um, any others that really jump off the page to you, Matt? Um, Shane Waldron, new OC in Chicago is kind of interesting. He's from the McVay tree. So, you know, you always got to kind of follow those guys in Seattle the last few years. So part of that, that, uh, offensive resurgent there from the passing game. So if he gets, you know, Caleb Williams in town, maybe that's, that could be pretty interesting. Um, from the head coaches, I mean, I don't know, Raheem Morris. He, I, I kind of liked him when he was in Tampa. He was kind of like a player's coach. All the players liked him, but it didn't really amount to, to much success. Maybe as a second stint there. Uh, I mean, he's got all the weapons in the world. They solve the quarterback problem. Maybe that works out, but it's kind of a weird one too. Uh, and then uh, Kellen Moore, man. We were so excited about him last offseason, coming out of Dallas, getting out from Mike McCarthy, and then went to the Chargers. We thought it was going to revamp that offense, and it – just kind of fell flat, honestly. And now Philadelphia is taking a chance on him. So, you know, but I know Philadelphia lost their offense, both both coordinators and, and all that, and they're revamping the coaching staff. But, I mean, I don't know. Are we, are we still excited about Kellen Moore? Is he going to be able to turn around this franchise from the offensive standpoint? I don't, I don't know. I like the landing spot there. I think that that one's all right. I like to see him work with all those weapons. Uh, going back to Raheem Morris again, it's the defensive head coach. And I know yeah. there's a handful of them, including Mayo and Mike McDonald, who's a young coach that everybody's excited about. Also Antonio Pierce held onto that job in Vegas. But to me, Matt, 
it's so difficult to get a young creative offensive mind. And even if you're one of these defensive coaches like Raheem Morris or Pierce or Mayo, one of these guys nail it and get the right offensive coordinator, that guy's going to turn into a head coach the very next year. And you're going to be looking again. Whereas if you hire that young up and coming head coach with the offensive mindset, you can always find the defensive coach that, that fits in with it, especially those retread guys that are great defensive coordinators, but never really figure it out as a head coach. So every time I see those names like Quinn, even Morris fits into that. I kind of, I shake my head to it. I don't mind the younger coaching, coaching uh, hires like Pierce and Mayo and especially McDonald because they are so young and it really does seem like Mike McDonald's defense in Baltimore was almost offensive, right? They were, they were playing defense like, like offensive coaches coach. So I like that head coaching hire. The rest of them, I, I always have a little bit of uh, pessimistic view when it comes to those. It's, it's almost like these teams are afraid to take a chance. Like they're, they're, they just, right. they, they, like they probably think, I mean, maybe they don't think when they hire them, they probably don't. If they did, they wouldn't hire them. But it seems like they would think, you know, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fail at this, but at least it's safe. At least we hired a name who's done it before. We're going to fail safely instead of taking a chance on maybe failing dramatically, but also the upside, you know, it's like those vol- the volatility players that we talk, we talk about from a fantasy standpoint, maybe you're going to fail uh, when a player gets zero, uh, puts up a goose head, like Tyreek Hill, he puts up like a four point game, but you know, the next week you might get 42 points out of it. So right. I just respect those teams a lot more that are willing to take the chance on maybe the more unknown names that could be amazing, but you know, it might also not work out, you know, but these games like so, Dan Quinn, we already know it's not going to work out. We already know that's not going to work. Um, and, and on the other side of that, Matt, um, T- Todd Bowles, a defensive head coach in Tampa Bay, he is the guy that took the chance on the young offensive coordinator that had right. to make the big jump with Liam Coam. And if that works out, it, that's, that'll work great for him for a year or maybe two. And then Coam becomes a head coach. So it's just the every year we see this um, this roller coaster of coaching changes. And this year was no difference, no doubt. Maybe Ben Johnson is normalizing that it's okay to stay as a coordinator. Maybe Ben Johnson should have taken a head coaching job over the last two years when he when he was the hottest name on the market. Maybe he's just happy. Maybe he's just happy. I have a little bit of fear on that whole thing. Might be asking for too much. We'll see. It's tough to keep your New Year's resolutions, whether we're talking about Dynasty, you know, we've all got so many leagues already. Are we really going to join another startup? Can we have the amount of time to take on another league? Uh, I'm going to make more trades and be more active this season. You know, we got we got a lot of things going on as a Dynasty manager. And uh, Factor is here to help you with some of your New Year's resolutions. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kick your, start your resolutions. 
So how do you get started over at Factor? You go to factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 and use code mostaccurate50 to get 50% off. That's code mostaccurate50 at factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 to get 50% off today. It's time for the Rookie Report. All right, we got that guy McDowell out of here, so we thought we'd bring up the biggest name in rookie draft season. <laughs> it's Caleb Williams from USC. Matt, we've talked about a few big-name quarterbacks already, or at least a couple with Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Daniels, of course, we agreed, might be the best fantasy quarterback in this class. So now you spent the week uh, watching Caleb Williams, who is unanimous, unanimously seen, or at least for the most part seen, as the number one pick in the draft and a, and a lock, stock, and barrel uh, elite quarterback prospect. You watched Williams. What are your instant takeaways? Uh, I mean, it, it, the, we, we've gotten to this point where we start comparing these prospects to like just the, the best of the best NFL players out there, and you see Caleb mm-hmm. Williams being compared to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and, you know, obviously he's not Patrick Mahomes, but you can see why, like his ability to make – uh, throws from all angles, this arm, this underhanded sidearm, you know, 45 degree. It doesn't matter. He's able to deliver the ball at all those, all, all those different angles. And, and, you know, it remains to be seen if, if he's going to be able to do that in the pros, but you know, that stuff probably is going to translate. Um, the, the, the deep passing is, is just incredible. He is in the accuracy downfield is great. He, uh, varies his release, you know, to avoid pressure. Uh, he's, he throws with touch. I mean, there's not, there's not a whole lot not to like here from an NFL quarterback standpoint. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not sure he's the best one, though. Uh, he might be the second best one, but I'm not sure he is the best one, as you mentioned with, with Jaden Daniels there. He's going to go number one probably in every single rookie draft, which is totally fine. Uh, it's like it'll, it, it could end up being like how some fantasy manager, dynasty managers feel about Patrick Mahomes right now. If you have him on your team, you still think he's number one because the name is Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to disagree there. I think he's more like a four, five, six kind of range from a production standpoint and dynasty. Um, from an NFL standpoint, absolutely. The best that's ever ever played, whatever kind of surprise relatives you want to throw out and maybe Caleb Williams works out that way from but from a fantasy standpoint uh especially if he lands in you know Chicago who hasn't shown they can develop a quarterback yet let's be honest I'm excited about Shane Waldron but I just don't know I mean he's a great he's great obviously but I don't know if he's going to be my number one quarterback at the end of all of this yeah I think he's going to stay at number one for me and it's because of the accuracy that you mentioned to go along with that athleticism and the threat that he he can create with his legs you know the one thing that i don't hear a lot of people talking about matt maybe you can shine some light on this is his ability to um in in the in the fake game in like play fakes in the backfield Mm -hmm. and and like he's really good at it and that that play fake and then drop and hit the back foot and elite downfield accuracy makes him deadly from anywhere on the field. And when you add that to the highlight reel runs that he can create and the power that he creates in the running game, um, I I think honestly, he looks like a elite pocket passer when you want him to be an elite pocket passer. And he looks like he could be an elite scrambling quarterback as well. And I don't know if that combination hits fantasy managers eyes often enough for us to be used to it. 
And maybe we're not giving him enough credit because of it. It is, it is so much fun to watch Jaden Daniels run around with the football, right? And Caleb Williams is way different than him. But when you see Caleb Williams hit the back foot and put a perfect 24 yard throw on a deep dig on his receiver, it's, it, it, it'll make you drop your jaw and, and it, it's awe inspiring. Right. And then the very next play is a created opportunity for him to make a play with his legs. He makes somebody's miss sets that stiff arm and it turns into a 15 yard touchdown run. So the combination of the two things I, I think makes him elite. And for years we've heard, you know, really it's been two or two and a half years of hearing this guy's elite. He is going to be the QB one in fantasy, potentially QB one in the NFL. And we got burned on that a little bit with Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't filled those shoes quite yet. I think because Williams is so athletic, he has a chance to, to be way better than uh, Trevor Lawrence ever has been and maybe better than, than almost anybody in the league, honestly. I, I see where you're coming from. I just think there are some things. If we talk about go to the negatives here, like there are more negatives yeah. than I, that I expected to see. That I there's more negatives that I saw than I expected to, based on all of the hype surrounding him. Um, you know, if, if we go back to uh, 20 to the 2022 NFL season, the first half of that season where the Chiefs were really struggling and Patrick Mahomes was trying to do everything. Uh, I saw somebody say that like at that during that time he was trying to score 21 points on every play. He's trying to play hero ball, and you see that a lot from Caleb Williams. And when the play breaks down, sometimes he makes real poor decisions uh, from that perspective. Uh, in the intermediate range of the field, you know, you see him sailing balls in that 10 to 15 yard range, like over the receivers' heads, no problem. Even those big guys like. Um, uh, uh, like Brendan Rice, right? So, like, there are some negatives there. The, uh, one, the one thing that I made a note of because I got in trouble with this with Bryce Young last year uh, when I we were t- when we were comparing Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. The thing that I liked most about Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud was his ability to play improvis- improvisationally outside of the pocket when the play broke down, and that's one yeah. of the main things that put me um, ahead of put him ahead of C.J. Stroud for me. Caleb Williams is a very improvisational player. And if that does not translate to the NFL, then I think there could be problems if he, if he tries to do too much, if he goes to it, well, if he goes to the bears, you know, are they going to have the offensive line to support him? all that kind of stuff? So that's one thing I'm definitely looking at um, there. I will say like, I don't know what games you watch, Dan. I watched the Arizona state game. That's a really good game to watch. If you want to see some of the intermediate accuracy issues, um, uh, there was one that like just got like it, it got tipped by the linebacker, the safety, whatever it was. And those are the uh, I think it was the linebacker because the safety behind him intercepted it. Uh, and those are the kind of things that are going to happen in the NFL because those player, those wide receivers are going to go up and try to make plays on it. If they're too high, if they tip that ball, that's going to lead to interceptions like that. Um, the Notre Dame game also had had similar plays like that. So there's an incredible amount of things to like about Caleb Williams. But I just don't think he's the perfect prospect uh, that I was led to believe before watching him. Mm. I I saw the same things. I had them listed in order of my biggest uh, concerns. I would say, and actually, sixteen fumbles top, too. Sixteen fumbles. Yeah, that might that's my top concern. Is he holds the ball away from his body? Right, it's all out away from his body, and he gets strip sacked way too often inside the pocket, and when he takes those first and second steps to try to elude the rush. So that's going to be a problem. That'll be something that'll most likely be cleaned up. The next thing I actually had written down, Matt, was. Is he really 6'1"? Because that's what he oh, lists yeah. at. He, yeah. 
And you think he is six one? You think he's no? I big? don't. I don't. I think he's yeah, six, think so maybe either. a little under. No, I don't think he's six foot one. Yeah, and I'm I'm afraid it's going to be a big deal around the around the combine. Oh, he's six eleven and seven eighths or something like, or five eleven and seven eighths, and he's two hundred two pounds, not two hundred eighteen or or whatever. So because there there are times when he plays bigger than his size looks, right? He does use a stiff yeah. arm and he does take a hit, and those are all good things. Reminds me a little bit of Kyler Murray at times, undersized guy that will take hits and and go rustle things up with the big guys, and that's. That's a good thing, and that competitiveness and that leadership that he shows by doing that, I love that. But does it also uh, offer chances to get hurt? Does it also offer chances for him to lose football as in the past? Those were the types of things. The, the intermediate accuracy issues are few and far enough between enough for me to not think it's a major problem I, because he's that elite downfield accuracy just shows up throw in and throw out it feels like that those balls down the field 15 plus yards are on the money every single time it feels like and that just makes me think that with the with the added fantasy production that he'll he's going to present with his legs as long as he's paired with a with a coach that'll allow him to be that player and as long as he learns how to slide at the next level because that's going to be a a part of his game he's going to have to use more often as well i think i think elite is the proper way to to term his fantasy upside. I do also um, fear, I do ahead. also real quick, Dan, fear him in a, in a, in a NFL world where too high safety is the king and takes away a lot of those deep shots because yeah. he does not, at least in his final season, I haven't watched a lot of his previous seasons yet. Um, I will. Uh, but man, he does not want to check the ball down at all, right? He doesn't. Do you agree with that? Yep. So, and I don't know, past- is, is that a, is that a Caleb Williams thing or would you, is that a That's coaching a staff thing? It's a good point. Is that the know. offense? I'm not sure. He definitely wanted to throw the ball down the field and you're right. I hadn't really considered that in, in today's NFL. Um, it's harder to throw the ball 20, 25 yards down the field plus because, because of those two high shells and, and the way defenses try to stop these quarterbacks and make you work the ball down the field five yards at a time we got to move on to the next one i can't wait to hear what ryan has to say about caleb williams when he get he gets back in here as well i don't see any mocks where he's not going first overall i don't really expect to either it seems like he's gonna stick and stay right there at 101 let's go to florida state tight end jaheem bell matt i'm sure he was new to you he was he was Mm -hmm. certainly new to me um, outside of, I think one football game that I watched Florida state late in the season when they were undefeated, I didn't see any Jaheim bell and I wasn't watching him that Saturday. So immediate takeaway of bell as a fantasy prospect. Do you think there's some, some upside here? Yeah. I mean, he's an athlete. He's a pass catcher. You, the, you, the things that you worry about are the traditional things, tight end, uh, inline kind of tight end things that you would worry about size, uh, maybe not uh, interested in physicality too much. Although some of the senior bowl one-on-ones I saw, he was looked plenty physical enough for me. Um, but on tape, you do see him getting bullied a little bit there. But as a as a as a pass catcher, maybe in like the Evan Ingram kind of mold, uh, uh, just a, a very exciting player. So all of the questions are size related and and fit with an NFL team really from a pass catching standpoint. If he goes to a team that wants to feature a tight end, I think he'll be very successful. Um, but yeah, I mean, athletic pass catching tight end. That's what we want in the NFL, right? So yeah, the one thing that going back to what you said about 
about his lack of physicality or, or uh, like that, that ability to, to make plays in the running game as a, as a blocker, it's not because of a lack of drive or try, right? He, he's yeah, yeah, he's yeah. in there. He's trying to make those plays. So it, you wonder if maybe, um, if maybe he can figure things out or, or get stronger. I don't, I don't know what the right steps are. I've never been a, been an NFL coach, never been a college coach. So I don't know how these guys progress from what I've seen though, Matt, there are times when you, you see these athletic guys come in and if they get paired with the proper coach that will use them to their strengths, they can be the pass catcher. And, and you yep. get one of those Mercedes Lewis type guys to, to be that run blocking heavy guy in the, in line. So are we, are we most concerned about landing spot and draft capital at this point with Bell? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think landing spot is going to be be the biggest part of it, honestly. Like, he has to go to a team where he's going to get opportunities in that phase of the game. And if he doesn't, then uh, he's gone. I think we lost Dan here for a minute. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, he, so he's basically like kind of a souped-up wide receiver. Uh, you know, uh, what is he, 6'2", 238? So, uh, he, you know, from a, from a tight end standpoint, he's a little bit of a tweener. Uh, could certainly add some muscle to that frame, but uh, you know, I don't know. It's going to be tough. He definitely increased the stock. I think at the senior bowl, you see him just get open. Uh, well, actually I, I got, I take the back. I just got his measurement from the senior bowl, six one two forty four. So that's a little bit undersized, but not, um, you know, not, uh, not, not terribly. So, so again, landing spot, spot fit with the team, all that kind of stuff is uh, what we're going to be looking for with Jaheim Bell. Um if Dan comes back, then uh, we will go ahead and oh, he's back. Dan comes back. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, there he is. Technical <laughs> issue there. Uh, I got you through through most of what you said there about Jaheim Bell, and and I uh, I, I gotta say I, I'm a little bit more impressed with him than I kind of expected to be. I mentioned Me that that the size is a is a weakness or a problem and and maybe NFL coaches won't like that because he's not that typical tight end that's going to line up in line and, and and play um play big and he's not that that red zone threat right he's listed at 61245 which is more of a fullback or maybe Maybe like even a like a scooped up wide receiver. He's like a slot he's like a wide receiver that, with 25 pounds on him, you know. Yeah, and and what what's really nice about him is that he is a good route runner and he does create space and does have a little bit of savvy in the middle of the field to find that opening in zone coverage and then become the runner with the ball after he he gets it in his hands. I am concerned and I didn't catch all your comments, sorry about that. That a, a team won't fall in love with him and want to use him to his strengths at the next level because he just isn't big enough to to do everything. And I think draft capital is going to be the thing that probably points us in the right direction there. If he's if he's waiting on the board till round six, we're going to be in trouble. But if he if he goes in day two or early day three, there might be some long term upside for Jaheim Bell. Yeah, I can see him going like the four four to five range on day yeah. three. Uh, something yeah, like early that. day three would be, would be good. Yeah, I think he definitely increased his draft stock from the senior bowl. Like he put on a show in, in the practices and, and things like that. And six one is, uh, you know, pretty short for a tight end, I would argue. Um, but we'll see how how that uh, plays out with the with the landing spot. And uh, I don't know. I I, I, I feel I, I do fear that he gets he's the, he's a tweener, and sometimes it doesn't work out for these guys that are 
kind of in the middle of position. So speaking of tweeners in the middle of a position, the next uh, player we need to talk about is running back Jawar Johnson or Jordan of Louisville. And I got to say, Matt, I, I watched him and tried to, tried to have a, have a positive outlook on how he fit in at the next level. And he's, He's really a, he's like a, a, you know, quote unquote, third down back, scat back, pass catching back type player. Yeah. He's only 5'10", 180 is what he's listed at, at least what I saw. He's quick and he has pretty good vision. He can, he'll hit a, hit a running lane to be a good um, change of pace type runner. But I don't think there's enough here to make me think that even if you could get him in the third round of a dynasty rookie draft, that there'd be long-term upside for him to carry a heavier workload and be a startable player in fantasy. No, I would I would agree with you. I think he I mean he looks he doesn't even look like a running back. He looks like a skinny wide receiver running through the tackles, which I just don't see working at the next level. He's not a <laughs> yeah, he's not the compact 185, 188 like like Devon Achan is, right? He is very fast. I don't know if he's going to be as fast as as Achan ran or or Gibbs or either of those guys, but that that's like getting into a role where he can be extremely efficient like Achan was last season, I think is Jawar Jordan's absolute ceiling, which is, you know, he's a good pass catcher, but he's not going to have enough work uh to really be consistent. And I still have faith, I think, that, that Devon Achan is going to find a little bit more uh, of a workload. I, I think he can do that. I'm not sure that's the same case with Javar Jordan. So if you're drafting him, you are looking especially like specifically as that third down pass catching back. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. I didn't really see him running too many wide receiver routes, lots of swing passes and uh, wheel routes and things like that, which is totally fine. And it could be uh, a very efficient player for an NFL team. But from a fantasy standpoint, I don't think we're I don't think this is the one for us. Yeah, he's not. And I, I don't know if you saw it, but I didn't see Devin Achan type speed on the film oh, no, that I watched. No. I don't think the expectation is that he's going to blaze a 4-3-40 and kind of j- catapult himself into that that range of running back that could be just so explosive that that we can't ignore him, can't keep him off the field. He also doesn't have the contact balance that guys like no. Achan have shown in the past. And th- that's a big problem for guys with that kind of speed. It did feel like um, slight contact and and almost arm tackles could bring him down at times, and that's a, a big red flag for a guy that can, that really relies on that speed and that lateral agility to to get outside and create plays on the perimeter. He's got really good vision, and I like that. He hits a hole as quickly as he can, but I'm, I'm just not convinced he's going to stay on his feet uh, long enough. Any contact seems to bring him down. And I don't think he can be effective between the tackles unless he has that true um, like generational type speed like we've seen from A-Chan and a couple other prospects here recently. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like it seems like, like one of those stiff wins that you get in Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Sometime he could blow, he could he could fall over just from the wind gust coming down the field. So Right. I did watch uh, their bowl game. Um, I can't remember who they played. I think it was at Fenway Park, though. I watched that game. And he was electrifying in that game. If you want to see a highlight reel of Jawar Jordan, he, that's him. That's that's the I mean, guy that he, you hope he can be. If he gets the workload, I have no doubt that he's going to produce. I just, I'm, I just, I'm just hesitant to think he's going to get more than 
five to seven touches a game, you know, yeah. that kind of does feel, you know, it feels like maybe he could be the guy that an injury happens and he has to carry sure. the load for a week or two. He might impress and make people say, Oh, look at that. But I don't know. I don't think he can handle that kind of work. He can't handle 18 touches a week. His body just sim- simply can't, can't put up with that. I don't think he has that, that breakaway speed to that extent that he just doesn't take any hits. Could it be Keaton Mitchell? Yeah. Keaton Mitchell is, is ballpark. Yeah. That, that's actually a good good place to leave that conversation because there are people excited about Keaton Mitchell and I'm one of them, but I'm excited about him as a eight to twelve touch type guy, and I think that's probably the ceiling for Jordan as well. Um, I guess that'll do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Um, we appreciate y'all listening. I think Ryan's going to be back next week. We got to talk about the Super Bowl. We'll talk about more prospects as well. And uh, we'll get to that all next week. So for Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.